2: Welcome to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, as always, Will Lomis, And we're back a little bit later than usual, but some of us had, uh, well, Will had to, had to go to Disney with his family. How dare he, uh, during a Titans game week, go enjoy uh, Disney with his family. And I got a cat, so it's been uh, it's been a hectic week all around. Um, yeah, we both had big weeks. Right, right, yeah, yeah. No nonsense crew. Also, Argentina lost their first World Cup game, so I've pretty much been a, in a severe depression uh, for the fa- past couple couple of days. So, been a been a rough week. Uh, thankfully, last week uh, the Titans actually uh, won, and they got me pretty happy with their win because they looked awesome. It was probably the best they've looked all year against the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay uh, in a game where the Packers really had to win to keep their season alive. Uh, And the Titans just suffocated them. Like, they were just the better team. Uh, And we kind of talked about it beforehand that we thought the Titans should win. It might be a toss-up because, you know, the Packers had so much on the line uh, and it was in Green Bay. But all the signs, like the Titans roster, the way that the Titans have played – uh, over the past couple of weeks, everything pointed to the Titans being the better team and, and they should win, and they ended up doing it. Uh, what do you think of this game? How, did, did you get the same sense that this was the best they've played all year and maybe it could be a turning point for the rest of the season? On offense, I mean, obviously the defense is going to be good uh, regardless of, of what happens.
1: Yeah. You know, this this game or the Giants game, like, I think people forget. How good the Titans' offense was in the Giants' game because there was the Kyle Phillips turnover, which cost him a drive, and then there was the, uh, there was a fumble on either the why I forget. I think there was a fumble somewhere else too, but the Giants' game they had I think seven passes that went twenty or more yards, but the difference was Derrick Henry was September Derrick Henry, and September Derrick Henry is not very good or fun to watch. And that's fine because eventually you get November and December, Derrick Henry, but yeah, as a whole, I would say it's probably w- it's. It, I'll say it like this. It was the most complete game they played that wasn't lopsided. One good half, one bad half that I think that's probably a better way to describe it. They were explosive on offense. They were competent at, on the run uh, with the running game, That the passing game really kind of carried it. Like it was the most, um, I need to phrase this correctly because it's easy to take this out of context and people to criticize cohesive, Tannehill for
2: cohesive, complementary. Well,
1: well, I was going to say it's the most like confident and effortless it's looked for Ryan Tannehill. Like he had five receptions or five pass completions to uh, at least five to Robert Woods and Traylon Burks. Like I don't remember another time where he's had two wide receivers that catch or that caught that many passes other than. Uh, I mean, maybe back to the Corey Davis, AJ Brown days, like just, I don't, I don't remember a distribution like that because the one game where Julio cut all those passes was when against Seattle where AJ Brown couldn't catch a cold. So they were never on together. So I'm not, I'm not sure if that's happened like that, but I mean, it it looked like he was throwing the ball with anticipation, which he does a lot of times, but it helps when you have quality guys catching the ball. Like, We'll, we'll get more on Traylon Burks in a minute, but just just the rhythm of the offense looked good. Play action always looks good, but like even the non-play action passes looked smooth. Like the interception he had, like it was a one-man route that, you know, it was a shot play. You throw it and you hope that that defensive back can't get back there as quickly as he did. But he just completely, I mean, full sprinted, bailed on any sort of pressure or like any sort of. You know, paying attention to the run, he just he he knew that he had to get to the deep half, and he did. I mean,
2: hell of, of a play! How yeah, how like it's
1: play. yeah, it's like uh, if if he doesn't drop back or if he's not exactly as fast as he is, that ball goes over his head into Traylon Burks for another forty plus yard play, and maybe a touchdown if he breaks one tackle. So, you know, and that that was the that was the design. It was you know, so it was a big swing, and it was an interception, and the defense did what the defense does. But yeah, in terms of the offense, like it was the most complete game that they've played all season for sure.
2: Yeah. And I I do want to talk a little bit about Tannehill because I feel like he's having an underrated season. Like I feel like it's not really getting talked about a lot. And I think people are still (laughs) upset about uh, the Bengals game and they're just expecting him to revert back into this mediocre, bad quarterback that we saw for stretches uh, last season, but he's playing great ball, man, and, and he has for most of the year. Uh, these last two weeks, particularly in the Packers game, I thought he looked fantastic, aside for that interception. But like we just said, it was a great uh, play. He was throwing dots. He, that that one to Hooper was was fantastic. And then in the Broncos game, he wasn't great, but I didn't think he was bad at all. I thought he made a lot of good uh, reads, a, a lot of good throws, and he was kind of let down by his receiving core. And that's kind of been the the situation for most of the season. But if we're getting that Packers game, Tannehill for the rest of the year and hopefully in the playoffs, the the, the Titans are going to be uh, a super dangerous team. I mean, he's averaging 8.1 yards per temp. Like that's that's crazy, and and that's the type of offense that I think the Titans need. Uh, obviously they're going to be a run first team and they're going to want to run the ball with Henry, no matter how many yards he's getting. But if Tannehill is averaging over eight yards per attempt uh, in this last game, he averaged 12.3, which is just insane. Uh, If you're getting those type of explosive plays in the offense, like that just changes everything. And, And something that unfortunately hasn't always been the case in every game this season, but when it is your offense just looks so much better. And, what helps with that is, like you said, throwing to quality players. Finally, they're kind of letting Austin Hooper play. I I, I don't know what took so long. I mean, they gave him a, a $6 million contract. Uh, you would expect him to be uh, a featured part of the passing game from the beginning. He wasn't, but thankfully they're getting him more involved. He's showcasing his pass-catching ability. And Traylon Burks is finally healthy uh, after that turf toe injury. Uh, In his first game back, he was kind of held back a little bit, and and the offense really wasn't all that cohesive uh, in general, so he really couldn't showcase much. But in this game, I mean, he looked like the wide receiver, one that the Titans thought they were getting out of the draft and the one that they need in order to be uh, a high-functioning offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, he looked great. Like, he was, you know, I'll start with the last play first. It was single coverage with Jair Alexander, who was an all-pro in 2020 and is always a really good corner. Like, I mean, he's probably the best defensive player on Green Bay's team, and he was just one-on-one ISO and man coverage and just beat him deep and then drug him for 10 more yards after he caught the pass. Like, that. I mean, to win the game. I mean, that that was, you know, you need one first down, everybody thinks you're going to run it, cool, take your shot, you know, they've put their best cover guy on your best receiver and your receiver wins for a 50-yard catch, you know, and Burks, like, he, the thing about Burks is he gets no real respect for all the dirty work he has to do, like all the Mike Frable of it, like, that that he has to, you know, block and do all that kind of stuff, and I'm not I'm not knocking that. I think that's important in this offense, but if he was with the Saints or if he was with a team, you know, with Kansas City or if he was with the Cardinals or whatever, like he would have eight targets for six receptions, you know, and then insert yardage and touchdown number here. Like I mean, he would he would be getting production, but because he has to play special teams and because he has to do all the dirty work like and because this is a run-heavy offense, like, it's really hard for him to put up stats. So even when he's played well, like, the stats haven't really jumped out. Like, the Denver game, I thought he did a lot of good things in his first game back. And then in the uh, – it was the uh, – not Raiders game because that was the uh, Robert Woods game. I guess it was the Colts game. The, there was There was a game – maybe it was the Raiders game. I'm I'm getting it all kind of mixed up now, but early in the season before his injury in the Colts game, he like, he had a really solid day. And then the stat line was just pretty underwhelming. But like, if you watched it, you know, he was the guy they were throwing to, you know, he was the guy getting the only real like 10 plus play catches. Like he, you know, he was a real factor in the offense. So I, I don't want to make too much of, a big deal out of it right but it's hard for rookie receivers to make an impact in the nfl regardless but especially on this team like i, I don't remember the exact set somebody said that through the first eight games or whatever of aj brown's career his stat line is almost identical to what Traylon burks's is and then he exploded in the second half and maybe that happens to Traylon, maybe it doesn't but the fact is that like this is an offense that as long as Mike Vrabel's in charge you know the the Todd Downing part of it makes it harder for everybody but the Mike Vrabel you're going to run the ball 50% of your passes whether it's Hilliard and Foreman or whether it's Derrick Henry you know it doesn't matter we run the ball here it, that makes it hard for a receiver especially one who's not on the field all the time to make that sort of impact but he made the most of his chances and this could be the turning point game of his young career and We'll see, but somebody else that you didn't talk about, and I don't know if you were going to bring him up, is Chigakonkwo, who we've been talking about for weeks now, and we talked about last week how he'd never been out for double-digit pass routes, and finally he got, you know, they people at the press conference pressed Todd Downing and pressed Vrabel about it, and peer pressure, again, always works with Mike Vrabel. He pays attention to what you say. He, You know, he's very aware of the public perception of him. So if you spam his account or if you, you know, if it gets around to the beat writers and they ask him enough about why aren't you getting Chig involved more? Why aren't you getting Chig involved more? Well, wouldn't you know it, surprise, surprise, on a short week, uh, Conquo runs 15 pass routes. Like I said, that's almost double, you know, his average number of pass routes in a game. So, uh, you know, it, th- there's there's a correlation there. Like, But regardless of the fact that he got more, the, the fact is he, again made good use of his opportunity. He had a 30 yard catch. So now he's had in the last three games, he's had a 40 yard catch, a 40 yard catch and a 30 yard catch. I mean, he's the most explosive tight end in the NFL rookie or not. And while he's not the most consistent yet, it's sheerly because of the lack of opportunities at this point. Like if he gets 80% of the market, I mean, if he gets 80% of the snaps, uh, whether it's this year or next year, I mean, he and Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips and Robert Woods, they can be so good with a competent offensive mind and with consistent workloads and if they can stay healthy. But I mean, those guys are so good. Like we're not talking enough about how good this young rookie class is and Traylon Burks deserves all the shine because he's, you know, like I said, he's doing it with one hand tied behind his back and he's got to take the one yard swing passes and try to break tackles when he's, you know, they're an empty and he has to do that hard stuff. But it should be said that Aconqua is doing absolutely everything he can with minimal snaps, too. And he's also shining. So the, those guys are great. Like they, I can't talk enough about how exciting this young wide receiver core is if they can stay healthy.
2: Yeah, I mean, imagine how good these rookies are if Mike Vrabel, who notoriously hates hates rookies and never really gives them a chance uh, to start right away, they're already starting. I mean, Traylon Burks is pretty much a starter. Uh, Chig isn't, but should be. NPF is the starting right tackle. McCrory is starting every game uh, at cornerback. And if Kyle Phillips was healthy, I I, I don't know if he would start, uh, but he absolutely could. Like, your top three should be Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, and Kyle Phillips. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not, this isn't a John Robinson love fest or anything. We're not, we're not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to refrain from doing that. But he needs to be commended for what looks like a really promising rookie class after two drafts that kind of went uh, a little bit haywire. But he really returned to form uh, with this one, and man, like, yeah, the, this could be this could be one of the best ones of, of the past. Uh, decade, if everything goes as it seems, it is. Uh, and yeah, you, you're absolutely right about Chig Akonko. I mean, him and Hilliard might be the best, like, efficient per touch players in the entire NFL. Like every time they touch the ball, it's just an explosive play waiting to happen. Uh, and Hilliard, obviously, he has Derrick Henry in front of him, so it's it's tough to get him too many touches. Uh, and Oconquo obviously. With Hooper playing this well, and they love Jeff Swain as a blocker for whatever reason, plus we don't really pass too much, it's tough for, for them to shine. Uh, but it's so important to have those ancillary pieces uh, within an offense. I wish we had a better offensive coordinator to, to get them more touches and, and get them going. But at least in this Packers game, Todd Downey did a good job. Uh, I thought he had a really good game plan, and it was probably the best coach game of his career but there's always a but with, with, with Todd Downing. After the game, he gets a DUI, um, which, why? Like, why is that happening after you're coming back from Green Bay, uh, flying back to Nashville, right? He got it in Nashville, right? Like, I'm not in Tennessee. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I, okay, yeah. So it wasn't like uh, he, they stayed in Green Bay or something. So... That means he must have gotten this DUI. I, I don't. I didn't actually read the report. He must have gotten it at like two, three a.m., uh, which means he probably just went straight from the airport to, to the bar. Like, I don't. I don't really understand what line of thinking uh, that was. I would have just gone home to my wife and kids. But, but that's me. I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. Maybe. Like, I. I I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge someone for for, for their decisions. But when you get a DUI I think you should be judged pretty harshly for it and he hasn't yet I don't think he's gotten suspended I don't think he will uh and he's still going to be the offensive coordinator so if we wanted a, a a quick out that was it but it doesn't seem like Mike Vrabel is going to take uh take the bait with that but just a bad look man just just a bad look for for him and really uh the organization as a whole
1: yeah like it's easy to be kind of on a moral high horse and take swings down at somebody who gets in trouble who you know we already don't like but it's not really it like first
2: of all you should never i mean if Bo if bowen got a dui we would be calling him a moron also it's not like it's not exclusive to him yeah like
1: the problem with it is it's not that there is an easy access like you know I, I i don't know what his home life is like but you know he he can get, like, there are resources available. Like, he can get an Uber or a Lyft or somebody from the team facility could drive him. Like, he's not, you know, the backup offensive line assistant resource in that. Like, he's not He's not some no-name guy. Like, he's one of the, you know, four or five most important coaches to leave that locker room in terms of, like, you know, job title. So, not that that should matter. I mean, that anybody could get a ride from the you know people within the facility and all that or through uber or whatever like there's just no reason for it like if my assumption is there were drinks on the plane he got drunk on the plane he got out you know somebody should have stopped him from when he got off and to when he got to his car uh that that seems silly to me that he was able to get all the way to his car and get in his car and drive and nobody was like hey that guy seems pretty smashed like we should stop you know but uh, accountability ultimately relies or uh, resides with the individual so that that was a bad decision but away from the human aspect of it is i have been very vocal that i want todd down and gone like i i don't think he I don't think he enhances any part of the Titans football team. And I think he actively makes them worse. So imagine, you know, again, like I, I know that there are more serious victims out there and, you know, luckily nobody got hurt, but it's still a dangerous thing away from that. Imagine how hard my day was. There was a report out on, I think Thursday morning about how Todd Downing was a hot, you know, offensive coordinator who could get a head coaching job and, you know, who could be like the net, you know, who could be a guy gone this cycle and that would be the perfect segue because Mike Vrabel wouldn't fire a guy. He wouldn't be able to stop him from leaving and it would be good credibility for the Titans that they have another offensive coordinator who comes through and, you know, does two years and then gets a head coaching job. It would be enticing for other guys, blah, 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 blah. Like I say it a little tongue in cheek about, you know, it, it being a bad day for me. But that is sort of the narrative that I've been fake gaslight pushing, you know, it, obviously, like people know that when I'm tweeting it, that I'm being facetious. But when I keep talking about what a great offensive coordinator he is now, I hope that the Colts don't snatch him up. Like, it looked like there was a legitimate chance of that happening on Thursday morning. And then he has the best offensive coaching performance of his career with the Titans the day that day that report comes out all, you know, all the buzz is great. And then 12 hours later, you know, we have to deal with this. And now the reports are coming out that, well, maybe this will cost him a cycle and, you know, he'll have to stay with the Titans for another year. And it's like, man, like just, just a brutal sort of kick in the teeth for that narrative that I, that I've been fake pushing when it really looked like we might trick somebody into getting quote unquote, the next Lafleur, But that that was that was a roller coaster of emotions and again all tongue-in-cheek with the whole like woe is me stuff but that we we were we were so close to having a narrative where we were talking about which of the five or six nfl openings were going to hire todd downing and now it looks like that hope's gone
2: we were so close like there were there were several outs here that 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 could have happened but Man, it, it, we're we're stuck we're stuck with this guy for for the foreseeable future it seems like. But hey, man, maybe maybe this game was a turning point for him, uh, not as a person clearly because you know he got a DUI, but maybe as a offensive coordinator because he had a really good game plan and uh, made good play calls for most of the game. So maybe it's a turning point for him. Uh, maybe uh, maybe it'll all go. Uh, a little better in terms of the offense's performance uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, Let's hope. Let's hope, because he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Let's take an ad break here, and then we're going to come back and preview the Titans game against the Bengals Welcome back into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. The Titans, now at seven and three, uh, are now going to host the Bengals, uh, coming off Thursday night football, so they get a little long rest, uh, and they're going to host the Bengals, who are six and four, uh, right in the thick of it in the AFC North race as well as the AFC playoff race. Uh, but they're it, well. First of all. Uh, This is supposed to be a revenge game for the playoffs uh, from last year uh, when they ruined our entire season, uh, our first seed season, and ended up making it to the Super Bowl somehow, uh, even though they were handicapped by their coach uh, and their offensive line. Uh, But they made it anyway, and Titans fans have hated them ever since then. I don't blame them, obviously. I still hate the Ravens after that uh, 2008 season that they ruined. But... Mike Rabel has said that this is not a revenge game, and I think that's kind of the sentiment around the team. Uh, I don't see it as a, re- a revenge game either. It just seems like another game. I I, I don't. I'm not buying the narrative really. Uh, but anyway, the Bengals are coming in. They're pretty hobbled, man. They're they're pretty injured. Uh, Jamar Chase is seems like he's going to come back, and, and that would be huge. Like that that is he is essentially like the centerpiece of their offense. Uh, They run everything through him and and off of him. Uh, T. Higgins always plays better when Jamar Chase is in the lineup. Same with Tyler Boyd. Um, And the running game is always better just because he opens everything up uh, in the middle of the field by being able to stretch the field and demanding so much defensive attention. So he's been limited in practice. He's listed as questionable. They haven't really said that he's going to play, but everything is trending towards it. It's interesting to me because he's coming off a hip hip injury, and it's one that he had actually aggravated, and he aggravated so bad that he ended up having to miss miss a couple weeks. They didn't put him on IR because uh, they wanted him back for this game specifically. I think that's what you said, Will. Uh, It makes sense, obviously, because it's been three weeks. This would have been uh, the fourth game that he would have missed if he went on IR. So we'll see if he does play, uh, and we'll get into him in a little bit. But Joe Mixon is also out of this game with a concussion. That's a big loss. Like, I know Samanje Piran is coming off a three-touchdown performance, uh, but he just doesn't really have the same type of juice as Joe Mixon. He's a decent pass catcher, uh, but he's just not really a threat, you know? He's not really a big play threat, uh, and we know how good the Titans' run defense is. Uh, So Mixon is a big loss. If Chase doesn't play, that's a huge loss. How do you see it? If Chase plays, obviously that's huge. Um, Do you think the Titans defense would do uh, anything differently if Chase weren't to play or if he does play?
1: So it's weird, right? Because we really haven't seen like a wide receiver, like a superstar wide receiver one uh, to my, uh, to my knowledge, I can think of off the top of my head since they played, I guess Terry McLaurin would be that, but, I don't, I don't know if he's quite in that category, but I was going to say since Devontae when they played the Raiders. So when that happened, they basically seemed like, okay, we're going to try to stop, you know, we're going to pretend like every pass is to Devontae. And then if somebody completes a pass to somebody, else, you know, if, if Carr completes a pass to somebody else, so be it. And that got them absolutely brutalized by Mac Hollins. But Devontae didn't, put up a ton of points the difference is you can't really do that with cincinnati like you can't say okay well we'll let uh t higgins and tyler boyd beat us it's like well they will i mean like you can't just pretend like those guys won't beat up the terrence mitchells of the world world so i what i expect to happen is they'll play their game they'll play four man rushes and a lot of them bud dupree seems like he'll play um, I don't think he has an injury designation. We're recording this Friday night. I don't think he has an injury de- designation at all. I think he's, uh, as far as I know, I don't even think he's questionable for the game. I could be wrong. No,
2: he doesn't. He's okay, just great. completely no designation. So, you know, Autry's out,
1: but Dupree's in, Simmons is in, Tart is in, Weaver is in. So, that that's still a good collection of talent. You know, that that's still... 75 percent of your you know pass rush productivity so you're you're good like you're not as good as you want to be but you're also not playing the best offensive line you're going to play so i think they're going to play that that four down like that that sort of style that they like and then it looks like fulton's going to play like it's he's questionable with a hamstring you know but trending towards playing which is good hooker should play which is a big deal. I mean, again, we haven't seen him in two weeks. Another. No
2: designation for Hooker, so he's playing yeah. for sure.
1: So then you're getting you know, you have another sort of mini buy or mini break for him in the middle of the season, which is not can't be what they hoped when they gave him that, that deal, but you know, they obviously he's more than just what he's done this year, but you know, he was real I mean, I think he had backed but he had interceptions in t- either the first two games or two of the first three games. I mean, like he was, he was very strong for them early and then he got hurt and just has not been the same guy. Like hasn't been able to play as much since, but when he was in, I mean, he looked good, you know, he played in the Colts game and he looked really good. And then he played in the Texans game and he looked good until he got hurt. So. Okay. You get Kevin Byard back. I'm not sorry. You get Kevin Byard, you get hooker back, you get Fulton back. You should get Elijah Molden back. I believe he's, also, no injury designation, um, and then you get McCreary. So you should have your starting defensive backfield for the first time all season. That's good news. You know you've you've got David Long. You know he no injury this. You know this week he should be completely clear and full to go. That's that's all good. So I think you kind of feel good about where you are on defense, even though you don't have Autry there, which you would obviously like to have, but. Yeah, I mean Chase is different. I mean Chase is, you know, he's the one of the Justin Jefferson, like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Cooper Cup. Like he's in that top echelon of like great wide receivers. So, you know, he he makes life difficult. Like and no matter how good your defense backs are, no matter how confident you are, like between him and Joe Burrow and those other two receivers, like you're you're gonna get got every now and then. The good news is the Titans defense and the Titans defensive coaches know what they want to do, and they did a pretty good job against them last time, especially the pass rush. I mean, the pass rush killed Joe Burrow. They sacked him 11 times, even though only nine counted. So, you know, it was incredible. So they definitely have their number, and even though they changed offensive lines and did, did whatever upgrades they needed to do, it doesn't appear to be much better than it was the year before and there seemed to be the same holes. So, you know, you can still pin your ears back and attack that offensive line, which is great news. So, you know, that that's positives, but yeah, I mean, the with his defense, it's always going to be how dumb is the offensive coordinator on the other side going to be and how committed is he going to be to running into that brick wall of that front. You know, how willing is he to get into second and nine or third and seven? Because if you run it, that's where you're going to get, like, you're really not going to rip, you know, his story. like based off the last six weeks, you know, maybe, maybe something different. It- there's different happens now with their backup running back, but I-, I don't expect it, but how committed are you to the run? And even, you know, even Patrick Mahomes, like they you know, they passed the ball like 70 times or something that game and still only gave up 20 points in, in a game that included overtime. So, you have to pre- feel pretty confident about the Titans' defense, even with Jamar Chase in. But don't—we're not at the point where we would trick ourselves into thinking that it doesn't matter who's on the other side. This Titans' defense is the greatest of all time, and nobody's going to get any yardage. Like the Titans are going to have to score points to win this game.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm really interested to see what the Bengals do because, like you mentioned, um, it'll a lot of it will depend on on whether their offensive coaching staff is committed to running the ball. They have been for this whole season. They've been running into into brick walls this entire season except for uh, one game against the Panthers and I think the Browns game. No, they got destroyed in the Browns game. What am I talking about? It was only the Panthers game uh, where Joe Mixon had like five touchdowns or whatever. He actually had a really good day uh, on the ground. But other than that, they've been one of the worst rushing offenses in the league. Their offensive line cannot open up any holes and Joe Mixon and P. Ryan, whoever's back there, they just, they, There's no holes. There's no holes. And against the Titans' run defense, there will be no holes because they're a, like a historically good uh, run defensive unit. It, I would hope that the Bengals continue to try to establish the run because I think that really benefits the Titans. Uh, the Bengals' passing offense has been really good the past couple of weeks. Um, and even taking out the Browns game – they've been good for like the past month plus really uh, because at the beginning of the season, they were running a lot of under center stuff. Now it's just pure shotgun. Joe Burrow gets the ball out quickly uh, to his guys. So the key for the Titans is going to be, like you said, getting pressure with four, that that's kind of their specialty. And I think that's the way you beat the Bengals getting quick pressure with four uh, pass rushers uh, and playing kind of press coverage. It doesn't have to be two. Uh, Press coverage, you don't have to be jamming these guys at the line, but definitely don't play off coverage because the Bengals want to get the ball out uh, as quickly as possible because they're aware that their offensive line is just, it's just bad. I don't know how it hasn't gotten better. They changed like four out of their five offensive linemen from last year, and it's somehow been, I think, worse uh, for most of the season. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I do think the Bengals are going to put up points, but I, I don't see them putting up, you know, thirty-seven, forty-two like they did the past couple of weeks. Not against uh, this Titans defense. In terms of the Bengals defense, this is this is a weird unit. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, at the beginning of the season, they were holding a lot of teams to to low scores, and they were playing like kind of bend but don't break type of, of defense, and their and their rush defense was doing uh, well. But it's it's. Uh, It's falling apart, man. Like, I I, I don't know if you saw the game. uh, Well, at this point, it was a week ago uh, against the Steelers. They gave up 30 points to the Kenny Pickett Steelers. Kenny Pickett had probably his best game uh, of his career. Najee Harris, who has been dust and just washed up for this entire season, came to life, had 20 carries for 90 yards, uh, caught a couple of passes in the passing game. George Pickens had a couple of deep passes. Pat Fryermuth got eight catches for 79 yards. And the Bengals defense just, I don't know, they they did not look good. You're not supposed to give up that many points uh, to the Steelers or that many yards to to Kenny Pig and Najee Harris because they've been terrible all year. So I don't know if that's a sign of things to come, but if it is, uh, I think the Titans offense is in a good place to keep their mojo going from the Packers game.
1: Yeah, like... I, I know that not having DJ Reader kind of messed them up and it, it was trouble for them and I don't know if he's back to full health or what but I, I don't know like that that Steelers game and the Browns game like uh, but specifically the Steelers because the Browns have talent the Steelers don't and like some of it was at the end and all that but I don't know like they they let Najee Harris kind of have like. I, I've, I've watched it. I watched it live and I watched it since then, and, and maybe I'm missing something, but it looked like Najee Harris was the only way they were going to move that ball consistently, and he was the guy making the explosive plays, and they still just couldn't really stop him. Like, are they going to commit more resources to Derrick Henry? Like, are they going to try to blitz more? Like, because. I don't know if that's what you want to do the game after the offense finally seems to have found their groove. And after they get 10 days to prepare for you at home, like, I don't know if the, the plan is let's go all out and hope that they don't have any counter punches to this based off of what we've done in the past few weeks. Like that, that seems bad. Um B. I believe is on our, like uh, I'm, I'm 99% sure. And he was, I think he was their best corner at the time. I'm not'm not one hundred percent sure. I'm going by more word of mouth and what Bengal's fans have said. I haven't gone back and watched Ouzier versus anybody other than when I watched him live, but that that seems to have hurt them a little, but I at the end of the day, like I don't think this defense is more talented than Green Bay's defense. You know, i, I don't I don't know if i'm if I'm missing something or if, you know, I'm I'm underestimating some part of Cincinnati's defense, but really, like Hendrickson's good, uh, but other than I mean, uh, and they've got good. Like I I shouldn't I shouldn't discount them. They're they're a well coached unit with talented players at key positions, but I don't. I mean, I, I don't I don't know that they're anything special. Like I, now again, that doesn't mean that the Titans won't come out and run four quarterback jet sweeps in a row like I I don't I don't have any confidence that the Titans will find a weakness and exploit it but I also don't think that this is a defense like the Buffalo Bills when they played them where it's just like it's so talented that doesn't matter what you do you're not going to be able to move the ball and you're going to have to rely on great like 12 play drives and you know still managing to get yourself out of third and seven holes and great defense to win that game like I don't I, I think it's a lot closer to what they saw last week than it is that defense. If that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, it does make sense, and I, I think this team is pretty attackable in, in the secondary if the Titans choose to go that way um, and kind of feed Traylon Burke after a really big game. Uh, plus, Robert Woods uh, came to life. He had a he had a he looked good against the Packers, and it, it's a wonder what happens when you actually have a functioning offense uh, and you could pass the ball to your wide receivers and, and keep them happy. Uh, And in rhythm, but I think there's a team that you could pass on. Like, like you said, Wuzier is on IR and he was their best cornerback. Mike Mike Hilton is a solid slot cornerback, but he hasn't really been playing as well as he did last year. Neither has Jesse Bates, who was outstanding in that playoff game against the Titans. He's he hasn't fallen off, but he's not playing at like an all pro level that he was. Uh, at the end of the last year. Eli Apple is is just not good. It, uh, he, he's not a good player. I would say their best players are their edges. Obviously, Hendrickson uh, and Hubbard. DJ Reeder, if he's healthy, could be an issue. Uh, but the time's run blocking has been pretty good. Uh, actually, they were pretty terrible in the Broncos game. But for the entirety of the season, they've been pretty good in opening holes. Um, and then the Bengals also have Logan Wilson, who's one of my favorite linebackers. He can really play. He just kind of uh does it all. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I think the Bengals' better players are, are probably in the front seven. So it could be a slow day for Derrick Henry, but it could mean more passing. And given how good uh, Tannehill has played, given how good Traylon Burks looked in the last game, Austin Hooper and Robert Woods coming to life, uh, and Derrick Henry being prominent in the screen and pass game, uh, I, I think the Titans could have some offensive success in this one, and, and I think they're going to need to because as amazing as the Titans' defense has has been um, and as good as they played against the Bengals in the playoffs last year, I still think the, the Bengals are going to put up a decent amount of points and and they're going to move the ball, not at will, but I, I do think they're going to move the ball a good amount because Burrow's just – he's playing well, man. Like, he is he's, – he's kind of in the zone – uh, I think not having Chase kind of helped him a little bit in terms of finding his rhythm and, and finding what works for him uh, within the offense. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Titans, but I like it, man. I this These are the types of games that, that you want during the season because it kind of helps you measure up. Obviously, you just want to win all the time, but let's be honest. I mean, the Titans are going to win the division whether they win this game or not, uh, and this game has the potential to be... Uh, I don't know about high scoring, but it definitely has the potential to be one of the better games that we see uh, throughout this Titans season. Uh, And I hope it lives up to the hype.
1: Yeah, also, I'm a little bit surprised that this game didn't get flexed. Like, I think the
2: Right? Like, at least... uh, Well, for me, 4.25 p.m. game. It feels like it should have gone more shine than it did.
1: If 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 memory serves, this is the only matchup between two winning teams uh, on the Sunday schedule. Like I don't know, like that seems like something you would want to flex up. I mean, I like look, I'm I am beyond the point of caring if the Titans are in primetime games or you know what whatever. Like when you start off zero and two, like I it, you you erase those thoughts out of your mind. But looking at how they've performed, you know, put some respect on the Titans' name in the last. Their last eight games, they're seven and one, and their one loss is an overtime loss with their backup quarterback in Kansas City against the Chiefs after they came off their bye week. Like that, it, you would have to really convince me to find a team that's done more. Like so, uh, you would think at least you could sell that idea and Derrick Henry and Traylon Burks and this defense, but you know whatever. But that's that's just sort of an, a surprising thing that. With with the NFL working to flex more and more games and seemingly not afraid to do that, it's it's surprising to me that they didn't go that route with this game or at least another game because this this and I think there's San Francisco versus Miami may also be on the schedule. But either either way, like this seems like a game where they should have flexed it up.
2: Do you, do, could they have flexes to Sunday night already? I, I don't know what the rules actually are. Isn't it like later yeah, in the you season? Ha- you
1: have to... I you, I, sorry, um, um, I was looking that up at the same time. So... I think the rule is that you can flex up whenever. Like it just oh, has the, to be done before Monday like it. before Monday night football. So it's yeah. like you have to do it on the Monday morning of the week that you would move it up. And I think that started two weeks ago when they started being able to flex according to the schedule. I don't know what goes into mm-hmm. that, but yeah. that's that's sort of my recollection.
2: You're right. It says for the last seven weeks of the season, the games are determined on twelfth day. Something. I can't read the rest. (laughs) I can't read the rest of that article, but it seems like this game could have gone flights to Sunday night. I think it should have. I don't think Packers, the Packers do not deserve to be on Sunday night uh, at this point. Their season is, is pretty much over and they look like a pretty terrible team. But even the like flex to 4 p.m. like Saints 49ers could be a complete blowout, especially in San Francisco. Rams without Stafford pl- playing the Chiefs at home. I mean, come on, dude. Those games are going to be terrible. Raiders, Raiders are Raiders against the Seahawks. The Raiders are, are a really bad team. Chargers, Cardinals, the Cardinals are awful. I don't want to see any of those games like legitimately. And this was their chance to kind of put a really good team between two winning teams and two teams that met in the playoffs last year, you had a narrative right there, and they just they decided to keep it as a 1 p.m. game. The 1 p.m. games are terrible, too, so maybe that's that, that's why they, they kept it. But, yeah, it, it just seems like, dude, I, I'm looking at the schedule. I, I don't see a single watchable game other than Bengals-Titans.
1: Yeah. And, oh my and, and, God. This is and bad. 10 of them will be three and a half point games. Like it's like, they'll, right. they'll all be close because the NFL's the, the most fun league in the world. But yeah, like at, if you're making the schedule today and you're looking, I mean, no matter whether you looked at it today or 12 days ago, like there was never a time where you're like, yeah, you know, the Cincinnati Titans game is the sixth worst on, on the schedule. Like, even if you're like, we want to keep it strong for the morning slate, though you know, those aren't the draws like for somebody to watch it, you know, take over middle America in the 4 p.m. slot or it's uh, that that's crazy to me that it didn't get flexed, but it's sort of a rabbit hole. You know, you go down it and you just get madder and madder about it. But like I said, whatever, like I'm, I'm ready for the Titans to get in a routine, you know, get to their normal, like play, play at noon at home, like. that that seems to work for them let's go ahead and try that and see what happens
2: yeah i feel you but yeah i i'm also i'm getting more mad as i as i go down because i see steelers colts on monday night football which i mean even before the season if we knew the steelers weren't going to be uh that good because they were starting uh trubisky or Pickett, whatever and the colts uh, with boring old Matt Ryan, how was that? How was that a Monday night game? Like, come on, uh, whatever. Uh, I, I'm not gonna, not gonna get mad about it. Hopefully, the Times have a fun game at 1 p.m. Uh, and the shine will be on them. Uh, we're gonna take one more ad break here, and then we'll finish up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Will, did you bring a Stop the Nonsense?
1: I did. Uh... For a while, I thought about doing mine on Disney, just to, it, sort of going over some stuff, but there was nothing as interesting as what happened to me on Friday morning. So uh, we were trying to figure out a time to do this, and the the plan on Friday morning was I would uh, go to the Predators game, and I would come back, and then we'd record it after I got back from that. People in Nashville or people who keep up with the Predators may be aware that there wasn't actually a game on Friday. And that's because there was a water main that broke and flooded the facility. Depending on where you were, it was anything from three inches deep to three feet deep. So that's sort of an insane thing. And look, like accidents happen and I don't, you know, you don't, you don't need to be notified the second that they happen. But I live just for reference, probably two and a half hours away. And the only reason I knew about it before I had gotten 45 minutes down the road was because uh, my wife had had an alert set on their Instagram notifications or whatever they do. And they had posted about it. Uh, There was, there was no email that, well, I say that I'm a season ticket holder, but I, I did not get an email within the hour of when it happened. So if she had not been following, you know, and I follow him on Twitter, I don't have alerts set for him, but you know, I, it's, it's a small detail to 90% of people, but it does sort of suck when you're a season ticket holder and they don't inform you like promptly, like there's not a mass email sent out just saying like, Hey, don't, don't start driving an hour and don't, you know, get ready and go like, that's sort of aggravating. Uh, another aggravating note is that it also seems to happen on the one night, and maybe it's happened another time this year and I can't remember it, but it's the first time that they've had a home back-to-back in my recollection. And that 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 double sucks because you get, you know, the potential for back-to-back home Predators games. Like, that's, that's an exciting thing to look forward to. Now not only is it on, not on TV, but it's not also, like, it, it it's just a very frustrating experience, and nobody's to blame. Like, like I said, accidents happen, blah blah blah. But uh, when accidents happen, like I need everything to go perfectly, like in terms of communication and not driving an hour. And I, I don't, I don't think they're gonna like recoup the, like I don't think they're gonna repay the value or credit it or anything like that, which is also frustrating. But it's it's just frustrating all around. But I, I don't. I don't know what else to say other than it generally like pisses me off, and there's nobody to be mad at except for the pure unluckiness of it all. But that's what this is for sometimes, for me to vent about how the world's not fair.
2: That's exactly what this is for. I remember Luke would always come on it and complain about his uh dealings with restaurant workers <laughs> and something always happened yeah. at, uh, at restaurants it was it was kind of crazy uh he he also had uh that type of luck um i don't i haven't actually you know i do have bad luck actually sometimes at uh at restaurants i my food always arrives later than everyone else's i don't i don't know why that is that's just just a me thing I you guess. also
1: you also ended up with a cat huh
2: yeah yeah also also kids.
1: sort of a surprise
2: <laughs> just the unluckiness no nah, nah, I lo- no i love my cat i love my cat uh yeah, for cats. now for now we'll see uh for my stop the nonsense i don't know if you saw that tell me you saw that did you see the hunter henry uh non-touchdown yeah cast? yeah yeah
1: but but uh, go uh, i'll let you say your piece but okay. i just didn't want another afc team to win so i was biased at Fair.
2: the moment You know, fair and like, I don't care about the Patriots getting screwed, but I kind of hate that the Vikings get the better end of it because I think they're complete frauds. Like, they have first round exit in the playoffs all over them. I think they have a a negative (laughs) point differential. Uh, It might have gone up, actually. It might have gone positive after this win, although they only won by seven points, so I'm not totally sure. Uh, But they're somehow nine nine and two, I think now. Yeah, nine and two. Uh, I don't think they're very good, so I was kind of upset that they got the better end of this. But if you guys haven't seen the Hunter Henry uh, touchdown catch that was ruled an incomplete pass, you really need to go see it because I just—I I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. We've changed the, the catch rule so many times that we've gotten to the point where I don't know. I, I don't know what has to be done. And on this particular one, like, if this happens to the Titans, I— I might renounce football as a whole, or at least like break my TV or something, because Hunter Henry legitimately had his hand under the ball, and that has been like the thing that has kept a lot of catches from standing and being called a catch, having your hand underneath the ball as it's going to the ground, but the ball is, it it doesn't. Does it really hit the ground? It it really didn't hit the ground in this one. Maybe, like, a little microscopic piece of it did, but Hunter Henry clearly has his hand on it. It moves after, yes, but he still catches the ball. So at the very least, at the very least, this should have been down at, like, the one-inch line. Maybe, maybe you know, he he didn't have control when when he crossed the plane. But there's also a rule uh, that says... Uh, a catch will now be judged on three elements: control. He had control. Two feet down, or another body part. He had to. He had a, a body part down. And three, a football move such as a third step, reaching, extending, reaching slash extending for the line to gain, or the ability to perform such an act. He very clearly extended the ball to try to get it in the end zone, so that should have counted. And then I, I saw, I saw a clip of a. Uh, Travis Kelsey touchdown against the Colts that got called earlier this year. I mean, it's even worse. It's even worse than this, and that one got upheld. On that one, Travis Kelsey legitimately lost <laughs> complete control of the ball, and it was called a touchdown. Uh, I don't care because it was against the Colts, although they ended up winning anyway. But, man, this was just—this was worse than the Julio one, in, in my opinion. Uh, actually, I don't know. The Julio one from last year was was— ridiculous honestly a ridiculous call but this one this one felt like it, it set the catch rule back by by a couple of years
1: yeah it was it it sucked and you know i'm sorry that oh, not sorry but it's it sucks for the patriots they had to be sacrificed but I, I will do anything short of the titans losing a game to watch another justin jefferson game Like, that guy is... Bro, he is... He might
2: be the best player in the NFL, period. Yeah.
1: It's like, they're frauds, but only in the sense that, like, we just kind of don't like Kirk Cousins. Like, that he's just kind of boring. Like, which, you know, is fine. But, like, he's like if Ryan Tannehill didn't have legs and, you know, was surrounded by all pros and was just kind of mediocre still. Like, Justin Jefferson is the like the best receiver in the nfl like i mean i know he's got a game on everybody right now but he leads the league in recept- receiving yards he's got 1200 already like he like this is his uh i mean obviously it's not done like he had 1400 yards as a rookie and 1600 years like sorry 1400 yards as a rookie and 1600 yards in his second season and he already has 1200 yards like even if he like just decided I'm going to sit out for the rest of the season. Like he would still be averaging like 1400 yards a season over his first three years. Like if he didn't play any more game, like he's had, I think five, let me look. One, two, three, four, five. He's had five games with 130 yards or more this season. Like he's, he's a freak, like, and none of his catches, well, that's not true. Some of his catches he makes look easy, but they're hard, but there's also the one handed crazy grabs and like the contested catches that he, like he's phenomenal. Like, I, I, I I don't know. Like, I know that Titans fans are going to like kind of balk against this because of, of where we've been the last few years, but like. You look at A.J. Brown, if you tell me you think he's a top five young receiver in the NFL, you're wrong. You're just not watching the right guys. Like, th- there are some true freaks out there that have come out in the last few classes. Like, I, I mean, Chris Olave looks like he might be one of those guys. Jefferson, McLaurin, Jamar Chase. Like, I mean, th- there's just like. There's so many guys like Debo Samuel's obviously on that list. Like, I, there's so many young guys that just look like absolute freaks. That uh, it, it would be great if Ajo's in Tennessee. Like, blah blah blah. You want that kind of receiver, but don't 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 ever come into my mentions and say that he's a top five, top ten receiver in the NFL right now because one, he's just simply not. But two, like. You if you can't watch Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and see a difference in you know what AJ Brown did like even consistently like the, like those guys should make you feel so much better because it, the Vikings traded away Stephon Diggs and traded and used that pick to get Justin Jefferson like that's one of the best trades in NFL history for everybody involved so I that's just a fun anecdote where anytime I think like man. Uh, that does suck for the Titans. It's like, well, the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill, who's the second leading receiver in the NFL, and uh, all these other young guys are just absolutely destroying decade long records. So, uh, if you ever get sad, just watch Justin Jefferson and be happy, and just live vicariously through that.
2: Should we, uh, should we do the AJ Brown thing? Uh, because I'm sure all all Titans fans uh, know already that ever since he uh, was Tweeting about the Titans and the fact that nobody was getting open uh, in the Chiefs game, he was laughing at the Titans and the Titans receivers. Ever since there, he since then he's played two games and he has six catches uh, for 60, 67 yards. Um, I mean, and that's a just pure and, and a fumble. fumble and a fumble it's and up. a fumble that almost cost them the game. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that that's just that's just karma right there. And I'm not saying this. Ankle. Of course he did. He's always injured. He 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 always has a a nagging injury. Um, But and I'm not only saying this because he's not a Titan anymore. We used to say this when he was a Titan. It was it was legitimately getting annoying. And I remember we like had a conversation about whether we would even pay him because he always had something. Like there was always something wrong with him. Uh, And and he's an inconsistent player, man. Like he has these stretches where he. He oh man he looks like a terrible receiver I don't know why it happens and then like the next week he'll go out and, and break like five tackles on, on a long catch uh, and then you're like oh yeah this guy is this guy is incredible but he is not even close he is not even close to an elite receiver and I, I'm not just saying that because of the the whole Titan situation I really don't think he is. I don't know if I ever really thought he was even when he was with the Titans. Like I thought he was a game breaker. Yes. I think he could break open games, but he's just not consistent enough, man. And and he doesn't do the things that some of these other guys do. Um, And it's kind of why I never draft him in fantasy football because he's always like valued super highly, like second round, top of the third round. And I'm just like, no, like this is not the guy I want on my fantasy team because I know so, like two weeks in a row, he's going to get like 50 yards total because that's just kind of uh, the player he is. And uh, I I just totally agree. He's, he's not near nearly close to the level of some of these other guys in the league.
1: Yeah. Like he, you know, again, like if, if we're doing this, like this is the healthiest AJ Brown has ever been. And, I I would partially argue that I don't think he's the best wide receiver on his team. Like, I mean, I think, I think Smith is, but, but whatever, like, I mean, that that's, that's debatable. I'm not going to argue whether, you know, Devonta Smith is the best wide receiver on that team or not. Like, I think, I think he could be, and I think he shows that sort of progression and you know, that ability, but that, that might be too hot of a take. What I will say is, I think that offense still relies so much on Jalen Hurts' legs and uh, like what what they're able to do is sort of a spread it out, like attack you from different angles with a mobile quarterback. Like, I think he's the beneficiary of a lot of targets and good chemistry, but it, there none of the issue. Well, let me phrase this correctly. Uh, the issues that we were concerned about in terms of paying him because I was always pro like paying him. And I think we all wanted to pay him. It was just how much and like how much you guaranteed him and all that. But like I I was very much pay him, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, he thinks is reasonable do that. But the reasons why you wouldn't pay him if you were going to make that argument is he does get injured a lot. He just hurt his ankle two weeks ago and has not been the same player since he hurt his ankle. Um, he plays through pain almost to a point where you don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing because you can never tell if he's healthy or not. Um, he has terrible drop issues, which, you know, you can point to the stats and it'll be like, oh, they're not, it's not that prevalent. It's like, But when you watch him, there's, it's not like he drops passes that other, it's like his drop passes are like when he's so focused on looking ahead that he would have had an 80 yard catch and run, but he dropped it at 12 yards like it's it's those kinds of drop like crucial drops um and that hurts him but you know like he's just he's an up and down player you know he can be dominant he can be completely erased and get in his own head and do all that kind of stuff and he you know he's he's had his issues and stuff and that's that's not what I'm talking about but like it just as a player he's so up and down and hot and cold and yeah he can be great but you see how the Titans are running their offense now. Like they have the most explosive tight end in the NFL in terms of explosive catches per target. You have an explosive rookie who they've just now started target, targeting deep and they had Kyle Phillips and still they were force feeding Derek Henry, the ball 25 times a game. Like it, this was never going to be an offense where he got eight to 10 targets per game consistently. It just, it was just never going to be that. So I'm interested to see how his career goes and, and if any of those old issues crop up and if he starts getting injured and how the Philadelphia fans react if he starts getting injured and all that because they're not a particular forgiving bunch. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch. But this has been our little bitter recap of what's happened the last two weeks after A.J. Brown sort of tried to spike the ball after being the bad guy and leaving town.
2: Yeah, he's just old, he just needs to stop tweeting. I just just... – just shut up. I mean, he used to do it when he was with the Titans too, and we we would all get annoyed with all his cryptic tweets, and he would then delete. Uh, he deleted these Titans tweets too. I don't know, man. He's a he's a weird he's a weird guy. He, he's 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 kind of a nutcase, but I don't know. Hopefully, it goes well for him and, and his BFF Jalen Hurts. Although Eagles might be. Slightly fraudulent, as well. I don't think there's any good teams in the NFL <laughs> genuinely, like maybe the Chiefs, but the Titans played them to you know they probably should have probably should have won that game, and it was in Kansas City. Um, so I don't know. this this year is like legitimately wide open. Uh, and the Titans have a good shot to to make some noise if they just play uh, the way that we know they're capable of. But um that's a conversation for another day. For now, that's going to be it for us. We'll be back next week to recap the game against the Bengals and preview whoever they play against after that. I have no idea. I don't have a schedule here.
1: Eagles, I believe.
2: Oh, wow. Eagles. Oh, so this is a good, this is a nice little two-week stretch. Oh, my God. The Eagles. That means A.J. Brown's going to destroy us and – we're going to have to walk back everything we just said, uh, although it it, would be, all of it is true. It would be
1: very wild if you went on our right before. Like, oh,
2: <laughs> you if you like,
1: it's like he gets like his ankle hooked in this game on like prime time, and then it's like he doesn't get to play, and then he just tweets about like, oh, if I would have played, I would have put up 400 oh, yards, like that yeah, kind of that thing.
2: Would be, uh, I, I do want him to play in this game, though. I want the Titans to shut him out and uh, not shut him out, but to you know, hold him in check and then have Traylon Burks have – a big game, which is possible. The Eagles have been giving up some big games to receivers lately, I have noticed. Uh, So, yeah, might be some success there. But we'll talk about that next week in our preview episode. That'll do it for us, uh, for Matthias, for Will. Thank you for tuning in. And remember to always stop the nonsense.